1: The Athletic. We've waited so long,
0: but we'd wait forever. Our blood is blue, and we would leave you never.
2: It's straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On today's show, we'll pay tribute to Gianluca Vialli, as well as discussing the games against Manchester City. This is straight out of Cobham.
3: To pick out a pass, and he's found Vialli. Well, Luca Vialli, and there it is—his first goal in a Chelsea shirt. The first of many, we hope. It's Terry, looking for Vialli. Rise. And here's Viali! Brilliant. A three Brilliant. goals for Gianluca Viali. Looks for Viali and finds in Great control by Viali!
2: Hello, listener. It's a very downbeat pod today. I'm afraid I'm sure you're feeling it too. The whole world of football shocked by the news this Thursday morning as we record uh, that Gianluca Vialli, the former Chelsea player and manager, has passed away at the age of just 58 after suffering from pancreatic cancer. In a statement, Todd Bowley and Badad Egg Barley called it a truly awful day for Chelsea Football Club. Viali joined Chelsea in the summer of 1996. He scored 21 goals in 58 Premier League appearances for the Blues, winning an FA Cup, a League Cup and a UEFA Cup Winners' Cup as a player and guiding the club to another FA Cup triumph, this time as a manager in 2000. I've got Sam Parkin and Jesse Parker-Humphreys with me today. Um, Sam, you were lucky enough to be at the club when Gianluca was there and I know he was. Um, he was somebody who you were very fond of.
4: Yeah, really admired him. I would say probably the first team manager who took the most interest in my career, who I learnt the most from. And I just remember it being a really happy place when he was the manager. And that wasn't always the case during my time at the club. He loved all the, the silliness, I suppose, that the young players used to bring to the training ground every day. I can see him kind of with a smirk on his face, peering round the door. That type of thing, very approachable. Yeah, him and Ray Wilkins, I think, are those two together. And obviously, we've lost both of them in the last five years, which is incredibly sad. Immaculately dressed. I remember his his boots, his Deodoras that from time to time I used to clean, and he used to have the dates of when he was going to wear them. You know, the month that he'd start wearing them to the month that he'd end wearing them. The, the attention to detail used to have those shoe shapers or shoe trees or whatever you call in them in the boot room. I mean, this guy was just class personified and I learned so much from him. Stuff that I took to my last days playing professional football, the movement, um, I'll get a little bit technical for a moment, always taught at Chelsea to make two runs. Take the defender short, then spin in behind or the, the opposite. Luca Viali used to do eight of these movements before he received the ball. Short, long, short, long. And he wasn't blessed with pace. So it gave people like me and fellow, uh, oh, well, not speed merchants, hope, I suppose, because his movement was incredible. I wouldn't be able to tell you what foot he was either. You know, he was equally adept at scoring goals with his left and his right. Brilliant player. We all remember the amazing abundance of acrobatic volleys that he scored in his career even prior coming to to England so brilliant player and yeah just finally to kind of capture the type of fella he was away from football a lot of my friends from the area I grew up in played golf with Luca until recently Ray Wilkins used to play the course as well white green in Osterley which is not salubrious by any stretch of the imagination I'm sure that Luca could have played at Wentworth and and such like but he used to turn up and play with all the tradesmen at the roll-up when you turn up and you don't know who you're playing with and my mates just used to say oh yeah I played with Luca the other day which just I think is is unbelievable and just shows you what type of fella he and I saw him across the fairways a few times in the you know four or five years ago and I was a bit reticent to go over and say hello because he probably wouldn't remember me but yeah, my, my mates always spoke really fondly of him and, and said he used to go for a pint and and whatever. So just a, a brilliant guy and obviously an absolute legend at Chelsea given the um given the achievement, the trophies and how he how he changed the the outlook really, I suppose, of the fans and the uh, and the people at the club.
2: Yeah, Jesse, obviously before your time as a supporter, but um, Adam Newson of Football London, friend of the show, I think has hit the nail on the head here. He's tweeted, Jan-Luca Vialli was hugely influential in shaping the Chelsea you know today. And, and that can't be underestimated, isn't it? I'm sure you know, you, you've heard many a tale of him, but, but the, the Chelsea that, that we see today, that, that period when, when people like Vialli were coming was massive in, in what the reputation of the club is, I think, and, and he's a proud part of Chelsea history.
1: Yeah, I think it's easy when you're a bit younger maybe to look at when Abramovich bought the club and see that as a real turning point for for Chelsea. But, you know, the that time in the mid-90s where people like Vialli were coming in and, and, as you say, really bringing some flair and some fun and some excitement. And I think looking at all the kind of tributes today, it also resonates a bit with where the club is now as well, that, you know, maybe the club's not necessarily going to be the best and win every game all the time, but that you can find joy and excitement and happiness in, in your football by kind of bringing the love of that game and and like the kindness, right? That I think what people who have been talking about Viali have has really like come across about him and that that can be more important than the winning and the success and that can bring something different and that that's almost what we enjoy and what we love about football even more and yeah I think it's just interesting to almost think of you know this time maybe at Chelsea as a mirror to that that period in the mid-90s and and to to look for people at the club now who kind of represent the same things that that represented.
2: Yeah absolutely I think very formative for me that, that kind of late 90s period when I was really getting into football and and that Help form my opinion of Chelsea Football Club as a kind of stylish, cosmopolitan but inclusive place that, that welcomed people from all over the world. And obviously, Viali's a great example of that. He's also an example, Sam, a, a very rare example of a, a player who managed to transition to be a manager and have success in it. That's got to be incredibly difficult when you go from being somebody's colleague to being somebody's boss. But I guess what you spoke of, him as a gentleman, that meant that he was able to do that where so many other people have failed to.
4: Yeah, not I alluded to the other managers that, you know, I worked under. They were the first team manager. You know, I was a little bit away from that. I was a young player trying to make it as a professional, but I don't remember it being the same spirit under Rude Hüllet and latterly under Claudio Ranieri. There was a lot of distance between the young players and the first team. And that just wasn't the case when Gianluca Vialli took over. I think... A few of the first team players struggled hugely when Rude Hullet first got the managerial role because the way he separated himself. And, you know, from my perspective, that gap wasn't as big. Viali could still be approachable. He was still quite matey with the the players, if memory serves me right. Him and Dennis Wise had a wonderful relationship, didn't they? I can, you know, I can hear Wise saying, Luca, Luca, you know, he was always chirping at him, even when Luca Vialli was the, the main man and yeah f- for me you know I didn't have much interaction with the, the the managers during my four or five years as a full-time player there but with Viali, I did speak to him about my game um, he would know me by first name and like I said he was in charge when I signed my first professional deal so I'd like to think that he had a say in in me being good enough to start being a professional footballer so yeah I've got Huge respect, and, and a lot of my peers from that time were already exchanging messages, and that's quite that's a, quite a rarity because you know players come and go. There were so many coming in and out of Chelsea during that time, but he made a mark on all of us really, just because he was a nice guy and we could we could chat to him. And I, I think it's also important that you know he wasn't a he wasn't a um, rags to riches story either. I think everyone knows that he grew up. Um, to, to a you know, really nice background in, in Cremona I think it was and um, you know, that says a lot about the guy as well there was no airs and graces about him he was just one of the lads and I think that translated as soon as he became part of, a,
2: of an English dressing room A massive loss to Chelsea Football Club and to, to football in general Gianluca Vialli who has sadly passed away
3: Zola rise the challenge puts it into the area oh what a great goal that was teamwork and that was a goal which sums up Chelsea. Hulitz, Zola, Viali, the Italian job. Viali's got in behind here. Against Schmeichel. Pass Schmeichel. 2-0 to Chelsea. Viali is there. Tries the shot instantly. And finds.
2: All right, well, we're going to continue with our regularly scheduled podcasting now. Uh, Chelsea offered a much improved performance, but in a losing cause as Manchester City made it three successive wins at Stamford Bridge for the first time in their history. Subs Jack Grealish and Riyad Mahrez combined for the winner. In the second half at Stamford Bridge on Thursday night, Sam and I were there for Chelsea TV. Simon Johnson was there for the Athletic and he centers this voice now. <laughs>
3: So there we go. Uh, I'm a bit slow to do the uh, the voice note. You've just got the DJ music in the background. Quite upbeat actually given Chelsea just lost again. So it took me a while to uh, do my points calculations. I think that's six points from the last eight league games. But was anyone truly surprised? Um, and I think that sort of sums up a lot about the result. I mean, in fairness, it was a better performance than perhaps many would have expected, um, especially with uh, Sterling and Pulisic going out injured early on. How many injuries is that, by the way? It could probably put a full team out of injured players at this rate. But no, Chelsea made City work hard for it. I, I wasn't that impressed with Man City, actually, but the difference was in the benches, of course. Um, you know, we saw Chelsea bring on three academy players, three very talented guys in Lewis Hall, Gallagher and Hutchison making his debut and City brought on uh, Grealish and Mares, and they were the two that combined for the goal and um, that used to be Chelsea didn't it? It used to be Chelsea subs that would make the difference but um, no blame attached to the academy boys at all but that's that's the difference where Chelsea are at right now so clearly not good um, sitting in 10th the bad run continues and and uh, Let's see what the January window has in store. Of course, this game was played out on a day where it looked like the uh, the transfer for Enzo Fernandez has really hit um, the dead end. As such, uh, both clubs, as I've been reporting all week, um, not close to agreeing a fee. Um, from what I'm hearing, it's not. It might not be completely over, but something's clearly got to change because, um, yeah, neither club at this moment in time are going to buckle. Now chapter Donetsk, representatives were here because Chelsea are um, interested in hijacking the, the move to Madrid. But uh yeah let's see what happens there. Um I mean at this moment in time Chelsea look like they need strengthening in so many positions, particularly with all these injuries. And of course the other subplot of, of uh, this evening's result is of course Aubameyang being subs, the sub being subs, he shook his head in what looked like anger, disgust, frustration but you know this is another of the summer deals that just hasn't worked out so questions have to be asked um, about the wisdom of that deal. Yeah so uh, not much to worry about Chelsea because only got Man City in the cup in uh, three days time uh, but you know the pressure will continue to mount on Potter but uh, I don't think he's going anywhere So.
2: Not massively upbeat, but there we go. Um, Jesse, are you one of those supporters who can like take the positives from a game like this, where Chelsea played loads better than they did do against Forest on Sunday, or are you all about the result?
1: No, I saw loads of positives. I can't believe how damn beat Simon was. <laughs> I feel like I, I been mean, I don't know. Maybe it was different being there, but I felt watching it on telly, it was. Uh, my girlfriend can testify that she was like, I've not seen you like this excited about Chelsea Red in ages. And I was like, well, they've not played. There's <laughs> not given me any reason to be excited in ages. And I agree with what Simon said. I didn't think City were very impressive, but they're still City. And to have the the injuries to for the players to have gone off so early, when Sterling goes off, you're just thinking, oh, like, Christ. But I actually thought that the Sterling injury is kind of what got Chelsea going because bringing Aubameyang on and moving Kai Havertz back into the 10, I felt like totally changed Chelsea's attacking structure. And I thought it was Kai Havertz's best game in a Chelsea shirt in a very, very long time. Um, In terms of the space he was able to find, obviously City were doing that kind of weird thing where Rodri was in defence and Pep changed that back at half time. And and maybe that's what, what allowed them to get back into the game. And I, you know, the first half performance and the second half performance were very different. But even then, I think... Generally, it felt like a much, much more positive performance from Chelsea compared to the Forest game.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Sam, here's a tweet from Kenneth who says, I've been meaning to tweet this question. How long until we start putting the training and medical staff under the microscope emoji? Reese X2, Chilwell X1.5, Kante, Breuer, Fafana and so on. What are they doing? Now, Don Fifield liked this tweet. Uh, I know that you do not like this tweet.
4: Get Dom on, then. Um, <laughs> i sound like a dinosaur here. It's a bit of a pet hate of mine, this. I, I think we're in a time when the data is such how meticulous the staff are. The load will be monitored, how many minutes the, the players are playing. They won't be being overworked, I'm sure of it. Um, I think it's just coincidence. And I know there's some other teams in the Premier League and it always kind of gets banded around, doesn't it? Haven't they changed, made huge changes in the medical team as well? Or there's been some kind of uh, movement, hasn't there, in and out in the, in the last few months? So I don't know, maybe there's some teething problems, but um, I'd be very surprised if it's nothing but a coincidence.
2: But overall, we were quite happy with how Chelsea played, yeah. weren't we? And, and and we're looking for positives. We mentioned Sterling going off. Chukwameka came on. To replace uh, Pulisic, didn't he? But Chukwueke and um, maybe not Abamyang, but Chukwueke certainly was mm-hmm. one of the positives, and Dennis Zakaria as well. His his um, Chelsea career continues to move in an upward trajectory.
4: It's all a bit of a blur, isn't it? That first half, it was mm. just uh, doom and gloom, one after the other. But yeah, there was some real yeah vibrancy about Chelsea's performance. Definitely, I thought it was a night where kind of Kula left with loads of credit. I think him and Silva defended the box really well. They dealt with Haaland brilliantly. Uh Asper to a degree as well. We know he's not going to bring a great deal going forward, but you know, defensively, he was pretty good throughout. And um the two midfield guys, as you as you mentioned, Matt, well, Zakaria was brilliant. You know, some of those pirouettes, the quick feet, lovely stuff. Kovacic as well. Kind of shows that you don't necessarily need Jorginho, you know, in in, in every High pressure, big game when we know that he's the, the guy who kind of progresses the ball and takes it off the, the, the back players and gets it up the pitch and gives you security in possession. But I, th- I thought those two were, were brilliant. So, you know, that's kind of the spine of the team with big ticks in their their columns. But then that potency was just lacking, wasn't it? Um, we've said it so often. So many times they kind of broke through the press, got into a great position. We can see the pass from up in the East stand beautifully. And it went a yard the wrong side of the player, or even worse, it went out of play two or three occasions. And yeah, the final ball was just just lacking again. And that's because there's not there's not players in form, and there's not great options in the in the forward positions. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, going into the game, I wasn't aware of just how poor the numbers were. Is it the you know so the, the lowest shots on target? Is it in the in the Premier
2: League lowest shots on target at home in the Premier yeah. League? Yeah,
4: which just sounds incredible and. Yeah, and obviously, chance creation is a, is a little bit of an issue. But no, I thought the, the tenacity was great. The attitude was brilliant. Supporters stayed with the the side to the end. And it was just a shame that when there was a little bit of pressure towards the tail end of the second half, they couldn't create that one big opportunity. Lewis Halls was probably the best. And yeah, he just, um, just panicked maybe a little bit in that pressurised situation. Um, and that's the one area of his game that, needs improvement. That brilliant young player showed great amounts of quality last night, but yeah, I want him to get that first goal because he's got into some brilliant positions since he's, you know, starting to get some minutes in the first team.
2: Pretty impressive Chukwemeka we mentioned Hall as well, Jesse. Maybe a, a tinge of regret for Amari Hutchinson this morning that he didn't fully grab the chance that was given to him. Sam and I were noticing that a lot of the time when he got the ball, he, he would pass it backwards and, and be a little bit timid, which is not what we've seen from him in the academy sides this season.
1: Yeah, I felt like lots of his first touches or first decisions were good and then it was the second ones that felt like they went awry. I also thought, and I don't want to go all, like, proper football man here, but I also thought he looked quite small compared to... You know, like, Lewis Hall's not, like, a, a tall guy, right? But he's, like, built. And I know, obviously, Hutchinson's, like, a very technically gifted player, and maybe it'd have looked different if he was willing to take that. It felt like he didn't want to risk losing the ball, it, like what you're saying, Matt, like, looking to pass back, and, and therefore maybe he wasn't able to make the most of his technical ability to deal with that more physical side of things. Um, I mean... I definitely think it was kind of an. There's been so much hype around him, right? And it felt like to that extent a bit of an underwhelming debut. But also, you've got to think about the, the context of it. You know, you're coming on against Manchester City. Your team's one 0 down, and you've kind of got what twenty minutes to to try and make an impact. I don't. In some ways, it's really exciting opportunity because it is an opportunity. But in the others, you kind of presumably want your. You know, if he gets to start in the FA Cup, that feels a bit more like a a free hit right rather than trying to come in and I don't know do something amazing it just felt like maybe the context and the pressure was was a bit too much for him
2: and also in stark contrast Sam didn't really help him that that Pep had done the classic overthink it totally against Chelsea and then simplifying it by bringing on an 18 year old fullback to run the show in midfield for the second
4: half yeah I think I said in the commentary that I'd watched a bit of the Leeds Manchester City game and they obviously highlighted that there was an 18 year old playing in that kind of fullback role but he comes into midfield and pressed the life out of him and he just bypassed every challenge, kept the ball. Like it was incredible. And and that first 10 minutes last night, I mean, wow. We didn't know where he was playing, did we? And it was a essentially a back four, but doing that Pep Guardiola thing where he goes into midfield and my goodness, he's comfortable on the ball. Um he was excellent and that was more a Manchester City formation that we've seen throughout the season. So what that was in the first half, I mean, it was great fun, wasn't it? For half an hour. I mean, we were scratching our heads. like, What, what on earth is this? It's the first time I've seen a formation listed as a three, two, four, one. That's what everyone's got it as this morning. That's going to have Michael Cox typing <laughs> frantically about someone doing it in, uh, 2005, six, but I don't think I've ever seen that. And Jess, um, Presented the the problem was Havertz had that lovely bit of space and was receiving the ball and getting turned and essentially Bernardo Silva was the nearest Manchester City player to him because Rodri would normally be there being the enforcer occupying that little space in front of the defence but Bernardo Silva at five foot four or whatever he is um, you know he was just a, a bystander in the first half as was Cancelo on the right and as was Foden. On the left, and he was very nice, Mardiola, because he apologized to those, those chaps after the game. Oh, I played them out of position and I felt sorry for him. And then he dragged them all pretty much at half time or five minutes into the second half. So yeah, they, they were, they were much better in the second period. Um, probably because they had that control given to them by, by Rico Lewis and, and Chelsea really got pegged back. And it was just a shame they couldn't get through, through that spell. And yeah, I, I didn't say it when we were doing the game because I was kind of, Right behind that pass from Jack Grealish. And it just looked like a brilliant, brilliant ball. But I think with retrospect, the goalkeeper and Kukurea didn't cover themselves in glory there. And Kepa's been brilliant. Kukurea, I thought he was poor with and without the ball last night. I thought in the first 45 minutes, every pass was struck, a was a little bit under hit or it was a yard out. He looked tentative throughout and... And obviously, um, he played a part in Manchester City's winning goal as well.
2: Yeah, Jamie Carragher uh, had a pop at him on Sky 2 afterwards. And and Jesse, it's kind of reflective of what's been pretty disappointing returns from the players that Chelsea have signed in the summer. And and as Simon alluded to in his voice note, Aubameyang, the sub being subbed, is never a good look, but he can't really have any complaints about it, can he?
1: No, none at all. And I think the frustrating thing about the Aubameyang transfer, is is anyone surprised? Like, is anyone surprised at all that it hasn't really worked out? Because we saw him play like this at, at Arsenal. Like, it was quite clear that the pace of the Premier League had almost just got too much for him. And there was loads of space to run into. And he did make a couple of runs, and there were a couple of times where, yeah, you felt like Havertz should play the kind of straight ball through the the gaps there and he looked to go out wide instead and and maybe there could have been some different moments there, but you just add it up with the miss against Forrest and you wouldn't have known he was he was on the pitch. But then I mean, you could maybe say the same about Erling Haaland at points in the game last night. And so it does happen to strikers, but it just feels like you need some kind of a return from Aubameyang and it's it's obviously not coming and it's just frustrating right the the injury to Brojo you just feel like he surely would be playing at this point ahead of Aubameyang and again it'll be interesting to see if any of the development squad are given the opportunity in the FA Cup because it feels like right now Chelsea really need a different central option who isn't Kai Havertz, because I just think... I also think as soon as Havertz was... When Aubameyang was taken off, and Havertz was then pushed back into that role, he immediately, like, lost all of his efficacy. And and that totally changed. And I think when everything you look that's been really good about Chelsea this season has been the younger players and the academy players, even with Conor Gallagher coming on, like... (laughs) God bless him. I'm not convinced of his technical ability, but like you can't fault the work rate, right? like the the press and, you know, like what he was, the turnovers he was able to do and, and going in for those tackles. Like sometimes you just want to see it a bit more of that, whereas Bamiyang, it just feels like he's a player who will just drift through games and you can look annoyed when you're substituted. But <laughs> what were you doing?
2: Uh, Yeah, that thing about me saying he's the low-key number nine Chelsea needed is not happening, isn't it? Uh, I want to thank you for using the word efficacy, Jesse, which is one of my favourites. I'll also uh, give a shout out to Sam uh, for bringing to my attention the phrase press resistant last night. That's what Mateo Kovacic is, apparently. So I'm going to be dropping that into conversations to make myself sound intelligent. Ten points off the top four then, Sam. It's not going to happen, is it? Basically, we're just writing this season off from this point.
4: I haven't got the fixtures in front of me of the, uh, the 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 clubs that they're battling with so I can't quickly accumulate the points that I feel that they're going to receive um, it's going to be a tall order of course it is and this is just this is just incredibly bad luck and a real difficult period that they're going to have to somehow weather somehow get through and hopefully get some some bodies back fit I wouldn't say it's a, a relief to have a cup game coming up but He's gonna to have to box very clever, isn't he? And not take any risks with some of the players with, you know, big games coming up and then the Champions League as well. So no, it's gonna be it's gonna require a huge effort now. And um the squad is very, very thin.
2: Fixtures between now and the end of February in the Premier League. Fulham, got to play them twice. The first one is at Craven Cottage next Thursday. Palace at home, Liverpool away. Uh, Then it's the second game against Fulham. West Ham away, Southampton at home. And then Spurs away. So maybe there's some ground to be made up there. We shall see. Uh, Before the game, Chelsea confirmed the signing of Benoit badia on a a seven-and-a-half-year contract. He's not 22 until March. We spoke about him at length on Monday. Um, Sam, if you were 22 and signing a seven and a half year contract, just how pleased would you be?
4: Um, Yeah, I'd be be delighted. Um, I probably wouldn't rent, probably make sure I (laughs) I bought somewhere. So um, I had a nice walk yesterday from Earl's Court to the Fulham Road near Chelsea and Westminster. I walked down some lovely roads, so I would suggest he should look there. It's probably Frank Lampard territory. He always used to say that. He used to walk, didn't he? Home from games and when he was playing or, or managing. But yeah, it looks to be the way that it's going a little bit in the Premier League. The contracts seem to be getting a little bit longer. Obviously, it gives the club huge security. And hopefully he can come in and have an impact in the second half of the season. Because, my goodness, they, they need some reinforcements um, while the, the the treatment tables are so busy so yeah it's a a good deal Um, for the club in an area where they were desperate for some reinforcements
2: Uh, On the plus side the next game for Chelsea is going to be easy enough to scout Uh, City again this time in the Football Association Challenge Cup the big preview comes next This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham
0: Chelsea
2: haven't been eliminated in the third round of the FA Cup since the 1997-98 season but that record faces a stern examination this time around as the Blues head to the Etihad on Sunday Who's playing in your team, Jesse?
1: You want my full 11? Go on Let me just uh, get my prepared notebook um, <laughs> I am going to stick with a four-two-three-one. I will put Bettinelli in goal Give him a run out, may as well.
2: Just because, yeah.
1: Bit of fun, always always enjoyable. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with a back four of Bashir Humphreys. Don't know much about him, but he's got the same surname as me, so he must be good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Trevor Shaliver, Mark Kukurea and Lewis Hall. Um, midfield two of Dennis Zakaria and Connor Gallagher. I'm still not sure about Connor Gallagher in a double pivot, but we'll see. I'm, I'm taking this as a free hit at this point. Uh, Amari Hutchinson and Carney Chukameka on the wings. And then I'd like to see a bit of Cesare Casade as a 10. And Mason Burstow up front. Crikey,
2: Moses. I was going to say that you and Sam would have at least seven of the same 11. Um, I think it might be a little bit different. I like that, though. Uh, Sam, what have you gone for, please?
4: Oh, I didn't realise that was the type of content that was going to get churned out this morning. That's much more fun than <laughs> what I've gone from. Um, I did have a 4-2-3-1 down initially, but then since we've been talking, I've scribbled a new a new shape down. I think it went re- really well last night, didn't it, in terms of the the setup, I think. And I would be tempted to go with that again, but I'm going to go with the extra centre-half away at oh. Manchester City. It was the shape that they went for in the League Cup and had they taken their chances, it could have been a different outcome. So I'm going to keep Kepa in goal. And I'm going to go right to left, Trev. I mean, this is obviously if um, Silver and Koulibaly can recover in time and there's no knocks there. But I'm going to go Trev, chalaba silver, Koulibaly. I'm going to go Aspie on the right-hand side. And I'm going to play Lewis Hall on the left-hand side. Um, that's where he played in that, in that City game. So he should go into that with a little bit of optimism. Uh, Zakaria and Kovacic. I don't think there's any reason to take those two out right now. And then I'd go for the kind of box midfield, Conor Gallagher, Chuck Wameka, behind
2: Kai Haberts. Interesting. Mm. How important is this game, do you think, for uh, Chelsea's season and Graham Potter in particular, Jesse? Because it's, it's kind of easy to say, well, they're beaten before they go out there because they're playing Man City at the Etihad. Uh, but we don't know what Pep's going to do, for one thing. We know he likes to overthink it against Chelsea. And this maybe means more to Chelsea than it does to Man City this season.
1: Yeah, I can't really figure this one out. I feel so weird about the FA Cup. What is it, we reached like five of the last six finals, but only won one? Mm. I don't know, maybe we just need a hard reset and we need to go out in the third (laughs) round. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then you also kind of think, I feel like where I've maybe gone in a different direction from Sam is I feel like I want the younger players to have a chance to show what they can do because I feel like they're going to be so important in the second half of the season and I would prefer almost to lose this game but those players to have got a good 90 minutes under their belt if it means that when we're looking at the Premier League games they're going to be able to come in and make an impact. So you don't have the, what we maybe saw with Hutchinson last night, where you're a bit overawed by the occasion. And I mean, some players are just going to like rise to the occasion. I don't understand why Lewis Hall isn't starting just generally anyway, because aside from the finishing, which I agree with Sam, and maybe this is the game because he missed, what was it, two in the League Cup against City in the chance last night. So maybe this is this is his moment to get the goal. Um, you know, he just comes into every game and looks like he could have been playing.
4: Like forever, I, th- I think there might be a curveball or two, but I'd be I'd be really surprised if it's from the from the start from the off. Um I think you know the side that I went through there with, obviously Chalobers quite established now, but but Lewis Hall Gallagher another ninety minutes. Chuck Wameka, I think that's probably about right in terms of the balance. Maybe plus one, there might be another one. Humphreys, for example, Casadell, I think is a really good shout. He would probably be on my bench if available, because he's done some really good things in the PL too. But I just think it it comes with that risk attached if they got thumped. You know, it's yes, it's great to get the 90 minutes, but, you know, that can have a detrimental effect to some of those guys. You know, when are they going to get that opportunity again if they lost five or six nil, for example. So I think you've got to be a little bit careful with that. And I think Graham Potter will go into this weekend hoping that you know, we're all hoping that Pulisic's all right, that Reese James is closer to a recovery, that Fofana's closer, that Sterling's just got a little twinge. You know, I think there could be two or three players back by the time the, the Fulham game comes around. So I think it will still go strong. Um, the one that missed out of my lineup was Ziyech. I thought he looked tired quite early last night. So yes, he looks confident, I think, and he's come back with a bit of a spring in his step from the World Cup, but they just have to manage him. I think that's... You know, it may be sensible for for him to, to sit this one out.
2: All right, well, we shall see. It's half past four UK time at the kickoff for that one on Sunday, and we let you know what happened in our Monday pod. I mean, you'll already know, but we'll let you know what we thought about what happened in our Monday pod. Uh, Elsewhere in Chelsea news, the under 18s try again to get their FA Youth Cup campaign underway this weekend. The third round tie against Bradford City was postponed last month due to a frozen pitch at King's Meadow. All being well, they'll get it done on Saturday. That's a 1 pm kickoff. And after their own winter hiatus, the dev squad back in PL2 action. On Monday night, they head to Seagrave to take on Leicester City. Uh, Bethany England has now completed her move to Tottenham. Jessie, how did you feel when you saw the picture of her in that Spurs shirt?
1: Less weird than when I saw Jordan Nobbs in an Aston Villa shirt. Um, (laughs) But, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it was strange. As we we spoke about before, obviously, I think a move that's good for all parties. But then when you see it in reality, you're like...
2: Really? You want to do this? You want to go to Spurs? Yeah,
1: Yeah. but, um, well, good luck to her, I say.
2: (laughs) All right, we're nearly at the end of today's show, but of
0: course we're going to do a quiz. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences, like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to michelobultra.com/courtside to learn more. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen-hundred-dollar first bet offer on your first wager.
2: Uh, three questions each here. Now, then, I initially wrote this uh, Sam's questions for Simon. Completely forgot about guess.
4: and now I'm so, Sam looks shocked.
2: Yeah, well,
4: yeah, yeah I forgot. You shouldn't have to go through this rigmarole if you're standing in for someone, should you?
2: You should just get a bye. I seem to remember this was a pretty spicy contest last time you two met, so I'm interested to see how it goes down this time. Um, Jesse, you can kick us off. Who made their second start for Chelsea in the Carabao Cup game at the Etihad in November? Lewis Hall. Lewis Hall is absolutely correct. And that, my friends, is a gimme. Yeah, it was a bit of a tap-in, I'll be honest. Here's your tap-in then, Sam. Sort of. Whose only goal in domestic competitions for Chelsea came in the third-round thumping of Chesterfield last season? Domestic competitions. Did score in Europe, but he only got one in English football.
4: Oh, goodness. Um... Lewis Hall made it, didn't he?
2: Mm, possibly. Can I have the question again? Sorry. Whose only goal in domestic competitions for Chelsea came in the third round thumping of Chesterfield last season?
4: I think it's Andreas Christiansen.
2: Oh, that is absolutely superb. Oh. Well done. You are right. Would you have pinched that, Jesse? No. OK, uh, let's see how you get <laughs> on with your second question. Raheem Sterling joined Chelsea from City last summer. According to TransferMarkt, who was the last player to leave Chelsea to join City? We've had this. Leave
1: Chelsea Have we not? to join
2: che- City. Chelsea to Lucy City. says no.
1: Is it Frank Lampard?
2: It is Frank Lampard, isn't it? Transfer mark lied to me.
1: <laughs> I didn't know if it would count because didn't he technically yeah,
2: go to New York? He, 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 yeah, he technically. You know what? I'm going to give you that. And he, the answer that was like for a fee is Wayne Bridge. But I think Frank Lampard's right. So so he didn't play for New York City in between? No, he didn't. He played for them afterwards. It was like he? a trick, wasn't yeah. it? You, you yeah. can have that, Jess. I was yeah, going to yeah. I was gonna shout. <laughs> Thanks, Sam, for adjudicating me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, my confidence has taken a blow after that. But blame transfer marked, not me, uh, please. Right, Sam, if you get this, I'll give you the money myself. Chelsea yeah. Wallop Man City 5-1 at Stamford Bridge in the FA Cup in February 2016. This was the question I originally wrote for Simon. Who scored City's goal that day?
4: Oh, I know it. I know it.
2: Oh, no, I don't.
4: 5-1 at,
2: <laughs> where was it? It was at Stamford Bridge. This is when they play game all the, where Pellegrini played all the kids, threw his, right? Yeah, he threw yeah, his yeah. toys out the pram oh. and played the most ridiculous team you've ever seen.
4: Who scored City's goal?
2: Yeah. He's now playing, or most recently playing for, and he hasn't played since February of last year, for Beauvais in France. Uh, having, uh, since he left City, had a loan at Chesterfield. He then went to Zoya in Ukraine for a bit, Apollon Limassol, Jerv, whoever they are, uh, from Norway, and Valletta out of Malta. So it's a storied career that he's enjoyed. He's 25 years old now. Oh, What's
4: his name? Oh, goodness. No, no, I haven't got it. But I can only think of um, Adorabio. played, didn't he? He did, yes. Yeah, yes. I'll, I'll say him. He's a Fulham I haven't got it.
2: Oh, this guy also scored in uh, a 5-1 defeat at Arsenal too. Um, Jesse, do you want to make yourself a hero?
1: Honestly, you could sit me down for 24 hours and I wouldn't get the answer to this. I can't, I'd have to make up a name.
2: Is it like a little technical number 10 type five? <laughs> I think he was, He played up front on the day. He didn't score against Arsenal. This, uh, there's another stats website that I'm looking at. I won't shame that it's wrong. <laughs> Nationality? Uh, French. I've got nothing. Honestly, you, you won't even know the name if I tell you. His name was David Foulpala. Nah, never heard of him. Nah, tough one that. Sorry, <laughs> Sam, I've chucked you under the bus a little bit there. And it means that you are losing. So, uh, I was delighted uh, when I realised it was you two playing because I remembered my favourite bit of the last quiz between you, which leads me to the final questions. Jesse, spell Baddy Shile. <laughs>
1: B A D. Yes. I A. Yes. S H. Yes. I L E.
2: Oh, absolutely spot on. Very good. And that's the win, I'm afraid. Oh, yes. Uh, Sam, not afraid for you, Jesse, because you've won. First win, I think, that, isn't it? Beat me last time, but yeah. I mean the uh,
4: d- dubious question panel are going to be pouring over this quiz. Let me tell you.
2: <laughs> well, let's see if you can pull back some respectability, Sam, uh, and make it three-two. How do you spell Chukwemeka? Oh my goodness. Um. C H U
4: K. Yep. I know it's a W U E. Yep. M E. M E and I wrote it down last night as M E Double C A just to get the pronunciation right. So I think it's an M E K A.
2: Oh absolutely magnificent. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean Jesse, you've won. Sam obviously got stitched up with that question, but I'd say that was pretty perfect.
4: I'm still the spelling B is the line to finish on
2: there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: Sam's still got a hundred percent spelling record, so <laughs>
2: And that counts more than the hundred goals that you scored in the English football league in the eyes of some. That's the real quiz. Yeah, very much so. Uh we can't really plug much because these two don't write for the athletic. But I can tell you that Liam and Andy Jones have teamed up to profile on loan defender Ian Martin, who's doing good things at BurnleyAthletic.com slash Chelsea Pod, the place to go to sign up if you want to read that. Uh Jesse, what have you got on this weekend?
1: What have I got on this weekend? Just chilling, watching Chelsea hopefully knock Man City out of the FA Cup.
2: <laughs> yeah good luck with that uh, Sam we're both in FA Cup action aren't we you've got the plum draw
4: Chesterfield the aforementioned Chesterfield on today's podcast who a one-time Manchester City French striker played on loan <laughs> for uh,
2: against West Bromwich <laughs> Albion uh, is my game 3pm tomorrow I'm just trying to think is there anyone even in the West Brom squad at the moment who used to play for Neil Chelsea Neil Clement frantically looked stunning. is the only West Brom uh, yeah, Chelsea link anymore. I can think of off the top of my
4: head I once saw him score a brilliant goal yeah. in the what's it called Black Country Derby at the Hawthorns. There you go.
2: Fascinating stuff. I'll be on Forest Green Rovers versus Birmingham, which is equally as big. We will be back on Monday when we'll be talking about uh, what happens in that game against Manchester City at the Etihad Stadium and plenty more besides. To join us for that, if you can. For now, though, it's goodbye.
0: The Athletic